broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Uh, I think a lot of it is we got to, you know, continue to work a lot of one-on-one stuff. You know, being in pads once a week, that really kind of eliminates the ability to, to be really aggressive, you know, and work some of the, the moves that you want to work in, in practice and stuff. But for us, I think it's a lot of it, you know, we got to continue to drill it other than just one or two days a week. Um, it, you know, it's a definitely a priority for us to, to be able to continue to work and develop him. Um, at the same time, you know, you don't want him to feel all that pressure. If he's going out there and really trying to pressure himself to make plays and stuff like that, that's usually when you don't make plays. So he's got to go out there, have a plan, execute that plan, and stay with the plan. That's the biggest things we're really talking to him about this week. This week. And then obviously today in pads. Um, hopefully we'll see him execute that plan uh, when we're down there working versus the offensive line. That is Shag's defense coordinator, Todd Wash. <laughs> I just, <laughs> we do this thing weekly with uh, John Osier and Jaguars.com. Yeah. Love John. And so Osier asked some of us, he's for a while, uh, to like – do this final analysis. So it's basically like the Jags will win if. Yeah, I've seen you do this before. The Lions will win if. Because like the whole team po- they posted on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you post on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they Did make you... me do it. He makes me do it. Oh, see, I do it this week? Well, I do it every week. They've been posting them, I feel like, though. No, I no, they seen do. Them. They okay. post them. Okay. I just try not to read them. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, because I don't know what the heck. To, I mean, it's like after a while, it's like, what do you say? Yeah. Right? What did so, you say last week? <laughs> so, <laughs> I. Well, I picked three out of the last five weeks. I picked against the Jags. Oh wow! Which I don't do. Normally. And, and hey, that, that's not on brand for you. That's Mister that Sunshine and Rainbows. Brand, no, right? it's not on brand. And so I basically, here's what I said last week. Okay. Okay. I, I try to come up with some. Well, the Jags score more points. You know, <laughs> try sure. not to come up with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so last week I said I felt like if the Jags could hold Deshaun Watson under, I said 20 yards rushing. Okay. I don't know why I picked 20, but I just it's. I just said, hey, that means they kept them in the pocket yep. and had a chance to beat them. Now, I don't necessarily don't even know what Watson had, but I, I think he probably had a few more than that. I think I remember a couple of runs. Pretty sure but it wasn't did. a lot more. I bet he only had like 30-something yards. I'll check it out. So I said, yeah, the Jags have a chance to win if they do that, keep them in the pocket, maybe create a mistake or something. Mm-hmm. You know what? I mean, maybe you know they, they weren't that far off from it in terms of defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I forget what I said about Houston. But. <laughs> so this week I did the I won't tell you exactly what I said. Oh yeah, save it for until we read it. But I, I did say this because this is why it's kind of amusing to me at least. <laughs> My last part because that's where you're supposed to say, okay, will the Jags win or or will the Lions win? Yeah. And I said I'm starting to hate myself. I've picked against the Jaguars three out of five <laughs> times this season. So Osher in typical Johnny O fashion says, received. Thanks. And don't worry. Others are starting to hate you, too. <laughs> oh, that's uh, awesome, man. That's uh, so John O'Shea. You know what? Deshaun Watson, only 25 yards rushing. Ah, see? So he didn't get under my 20. Yeah, but, so that, that but was yeah, the deciding I, factor. I feel like I remember three rushes. And by the way, it wasn't, Two rushes. It wasn't yeah. the deciding factor either. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. I was trying to give you some credit. Yeah, I was trying to give you some credit. But they, they Five did. yards off from winning. I tell you what, though. 25 yards means the Jags did a pretty good job of their game plan. Mm-hmm. You don't want them running around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, so fair enough. They did a pretty good job. Yeah. You know, outside of the – listen, they got a short field, mm-hmm. and they gave up the fourth and four play. If they don't give that up, 
and and Houston, I know they still put up a bunch of yards, but only give twenty three points. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. We'd be saying a lot more nicer things about the Jags' defense yeah. this week. I mean, I'm going to need to see that Brandon Cook's number down a little bit, too, in well, terms but, of total yeah, yardage. Yeah, but even that went over 150 on the fourth and Correct. four player, or one player, yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. So, it's uh, I, like, I don't know. you got to come up with all these different ways to get the Jags to win or lose or whatever. But yeah. uh, check out uh, the final analysis that comes out this weekend on Jaguars.com. You'll see what I say this week. Watch other than Brett I hate Martino's myself. descent into madness week by week. <laughs> Follow along. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos back here on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. A, a quick thought because I wasn't going to do this, but a quick thought uh, before we get to Matthew Stafford because he does not uh, fit in this category. Okay. It seems like I'm getting a lot out of Baltimore, if I'm reading correctly and seeing headlines right, that they're trying to get Lamar Jackson not to run as much. Mm-hmm. Now, he wants to stay in the pocket and prove he's a pocket passer. But, no, this seems more like, hey, we don't want you banged up. Stop running. Deshaun Watson, there's an emphasis in Houston to keep him at least behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. Maybe rolling out is fine, but not going to get hit because he hasn't done a good job of protecting himself. Heck, even earlier this year in a game, might have been the opener, he got hit in the ribs pretty good. I remember Absolutely. seeing him on the sideline, and they were checking on him. Well, so, he got banged up against the Jaguars a little bit, too. He's, he gets banged up a bunch. Compliments to Smoot. So we want these dual threat guys, mm-hmm. but do you see a little bit of the yank back of, hey, don't get hurt, and could it be coming for a guy like Kyler Murray? He's been so effective. Yeah. Kyler Murray, and I mean, he might have more touchdowns running than most of the running backs in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think he's run four in. Yeah. So, Brent, stop, stop making me smile, man. Come on now. Yeah. Come on. Well, if you lose that part of Kyle or Murray, though, it oh, yeah, might it's, not point point. it's the same I with Lamar saying. Jackson. He's so dynamic in the run game. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, it's part of him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's very good in that part of it. Uh, if you take that away from those guys, I understand they want to be pocket passers yeah. and they want to stay behind and they don't want to get hurt because they're so valuable to the franchise. Mm-hmm. But if you take that away, are you messing with him? And Lamar Jackson, they're trying to make him not do that and look at him. He's yeah. not putting up big numbers for my fantasy no. team. <laughs> this is what it's all about, actually. This is Brent speaking out about his fantasy team being down in the dumpster. Now, what are you, one and four? One and four. Brent, you hate to see that. Um, Good news, Keenan Allen is apparently okay. So, <laughs> so he just sat out for the, just sat out the second for three half. Quarters? The okay, day, I got you. Yeah. Listen, in terms of quarterbacks that run with the football, I agree with you. Where I think Lamar Jackson has been tapered off a little bit. I think you'll continue to see quarterbacks be tapered off after that rookie year. I think Kyler Murray will be tapered off eventually because the story is always the same, and you know how that story ends. Eventually, you're gonna do, you're gonna run when you shouldn't have ran, and you're gonna take that giant hit, and it's gonna cause an injury. And you'll be out for the season, and you may never be the same again. I don't care if you're built like Cam Newton. I don't care if you're you're fast and speedy and shifty like Kyler Murray. Like that story always seems to end the same. Ask Mike Vick how it worked out. To me, like listen, and there's some ego involved with Lamar Jackson. Let's not get it twisted. I think he wants to be a pocket quarterback. I think he wants to showcase that. Hey, you guys want me to play wide receiver out of college? Check this out. I can throw for touchdowns as well. So that's a lot more. I think of an ego thing of a chip on his shoulder than Lamar Jackson. At the end of the day, though, the whole point of the dual-threat quarterback in my eyes is you don't need a guy that can run for 100 yards a game because that's never going to pan out right. It might go good for a season. It might go good for maybe a season and a half, but eventually you will get got, mark my words. The reason why I'm such a big fan of the dual-threat quarterback is the Aaron Rodgers effect. It's the threat 
of taking off. It's the threat of running. Just because you have the threat of running doesn't mean you actually have to run with it. You can still pass with it, and that's what makes Aaron Rodgers so great. It's the fact that when Aaron Rodgers is under huddle, he's in the shotgun formation, and maybe it's like third and five, third and six, there's always that possibility that if you don't have your rush land integrity, he could take off and run. So to me, it's more about the threat than actually running with the football. Yeah, like I feel like, see, I don't view Patrick Mahomes as a running quarterback, mm-hmm. right? I don't feel like he's dynamic like those guys are. But he does just enough, and he's a threat. And, and he's a threat. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill. You see it the other night. Mm-hmm. Saw a whole bunch of green grass, and that guy. And even as funny watching the games, like I was like, man, he's fast. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he used to play wide receiber at Texas A and M. Remember now? Yeah. I mean, it's not like this. This guy's a good athlete, and you know, guys like even Minshew is not a speedster, but the threat to run. You know, what's the game plan against him? Keep him in the pocket. Yeah. It's just an interesting balance, especially once you know that you think you have your franchise guy. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason why Lamar Jackson's a franchise guy is because he does these video games Madden-esque runs for 54 yards in a score. It makes it look easy doing it. It's not the only reason, but it's part of the package. Like That's part of the franchise QB package that you got Mm -hmm. in Lamar Jackson. If you start asking him to stop doing that, if he stops doing it because he wants to prove I'm a pocket passer. Well, I think you take something away from him, not just my fantasy team, but from him. <laughs> and I think you become less dynamic in that sense. I yeah. mean, so it's a it's a delicate balance yeah. for length of career, for length of a season, for not exposing yourself. But you got to be careful of it because that's who you are. That's what you signed up for. No, without doubt. And listen, I haven't watched a lot of uh, Ravens games here. I've seen a couple just in the NFL red zone. And from what I've seen, obviously, he's not – a threat really to run it right now. You know, it's more play action, pocket passing, things like that. And I think that you do your team a disservice, you do Lamar Jackson a service if you take away that threat. Like all a threat can mean, Brent, is literally one rush for 30 yards. You make it look easy, right? You get out of bounds, you don't take a hit. And now all of a sudden the team's like, well, pfft, okay, well, we, we got to stop the quarterback run now, so we got to be on our toes a little bit with that. Like that's all you need per game. But I feel like they're not even really doing that with him. I, I feel like they're. It's almost like a picture where he's come back after like Tommy Johns. It's like, all right, you know, just you can throw some fastballs, but let's keep it under a certain amount of speed. And then by the time we get to the regular season or the playoffs, we can ramp it up a little bit. Maybe they do ramp up Lamar Jackson, but right now you're not seeing it. All right, uh, let's get back on task. Uh, Pat, I think, had a call earlier in the show, um, and then we went to break, about the game plan. Mm-hmm. Well, and you just asked about Matthew Stafford. He doesn't fit in this conversation. He fits in more the Adrian Peterson conversation we were having. How much does Matthew Stafford scare you right now? Yeah. At this stage of his career, I mean, he's got a huge paycheck. He's got he, big-time numbers and stats. But he doesn't win football games, man. No. He does not win enough games. I mean, he just hasn't. That's not only on him. But they are the only team. I'm going to say they're the only team. You tell me if I'm wrong. But they feel like the only <laughs> team that has had a franchise quarterback mm-hmm. yet cannot win. I mean, they have had a franchise QB for years, and they cannot win. It's a great call. Um, Nothing's come to my mind. If you go down the list, we've had teams that are usually knocking on the door every year, in the playoffs every year, and and this isn't a, hey, can't win a Super Bowl. I'm talking can't win eight games. Like, they cannot win eight games, and they have that guy. I don't know if that shows... How bad they are at picking players, how bad they are at picking coaches, how bad they are at building around well, Stafford. Yeah. I don't know but what see, that shows. But here's the thing, though. So you're asking me, how worried am I of Matthew Stafford? Do I give him 
essentially the Adrian Peterson treatment. It's like, well, yeah, he's not what he used to be. You got to be respectful of him, but he's not really going to beat you. And I'm here to say I am very worried. I am very concerned about Matthew Stafford. Now, yes, obviously he's up there in age. He's up there in experience. But what makes me nervous about Matthew Stafford is the reason why I think he's been so great the past, it seems like, decade that he's played. I mean, heck, I played against him, I think, my second year in the NFL. I remember playing against him. So he's been around for a while. But what makes him great, and you mentioned it, do they have the right guys around him? On offense, they do. I think the thought of signing Matt Patricia was the fact that, hey, let's bring in a defensive-minded guy. Because you know why? We're set on offense. We got Matthew Stafford. We got Marvin Jones. We got Kenny Galladay. We got Danny Amendola. Like, we're set on offense. We got to shore up this defense because we're surrendering way too many points. And we play teams like the, the Vikings and the, and the Green Bay Packers. We got to have some sort of resemblance of a defense. So that's why I think Matt Patricia was brought in in the first place. Now, you haven't really seen that that much. But with that being said, offense hasn't been the problem, I feel like, the past three or four years for the Detroit Lions. So, yes, I am worried about Matthew Stafford. What I wonder about with offense, though, is, and I don't watch enough Detroit games, Mm -hmm. but I would wonder the same thing I wonder about with this offense. I think the Jags are the best equipped on offense they've been maybe since I've been here. Mm -hmm. Really. I mean, they're as dynamic as they've been. They've whether you think Minshew's good quarterback or not, he's the best quarterback that's played in the last decade. (laughs) I mean, he is. I mean, that's... I understand the measuring sticks, but he is. And so, but I don't think they dictate play. Like, I still don't think they dictate play, and they had a chance to the other day, and they've got the ball first against Cincinnati, and they can't do it. When the game's even, they're not going to get the lead and saying, come catch us if you can. Mm -hmm. The good teams do it. Either that or they come back and rally and win, but the Jags aren't doing that either. So, I think Stafford and the Lions are a lot like that. Mm-hmm. I think the Stafford is is this all-world arm uh, who has great numbers, and they have good receivers, and mm-hmm. now they have Hawkinson, and they've got these guys. They've got these pieces that kind of excite you. Absolutely. But, like, I'll take you to the game that got my attention. 14 nothing lead over New Orleans a few Correct. weeks back. Yeah. Well, where's the nail in the coffin, man? Yeah. Where's the foot on the throat? Sure. Like, where it's it's like... They scored 35 in a row. And but I understand also, your defense. You're yeah, going to tell me your defense. That's exactly what I'm Okay, but did you. they get the ball back? Like, yeah, So yeah. then you're, you're being paid $50 million a year or whatever you're being paid, some gross amount of money, sure. to keep up with Drew Brees. And you telling me that you have these receivers and this tight end and this offense and this quarterback that puts up all these numbers, why aren't you keeping up with Drew Brees? Mm-hmm. And I understand I'm po- pointing out one game. And to be honest with you, I didn't even see the game. I was watching the score. I was watching but, a little but bit. But it's yeah. reminiscent of what I'm saying. It's like you can't be up 14 to nothing with Matthew Stafford at quarterback and then be down 35-14 a quarter and a half later. Like yeah. you can't. Like he's got to carry you. Mm-hmm. And he just hasn't done it, man. Like. Again, he scares me because he's got a great arm and they have potential on offense. Mm-hmm. Yet I still feel like in the fourth quarter, because either they're the Lions or the way they've operated under Stafford, it's going to be a one-score game no matter what in the fourth quarter, and the Jags will have a chance to win. I mean, yeah. That's not the case if Drew Brees comes in. That's not the case if Lamar Jackson even or Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes comes in. I don't feel that way. But with Matthew Stafford as their quarterback – I feel like they're going to be in the 20s, not in the 38-40 range, and the Jags will have a chance in the game even if their defense doesn't play great. So I think when you talk about the Lions the past three or four years, even longer back, um, it's always kind of been the same story on offense. And you asked, like, how do you – how do you score 14 points and then you can't maintain that lead and you can't win, especially at home? 
And to me, the story's been the same about the running back, right? Like, I can't remember the last time the Lions have had a running back over 100 yards. Like, I don't know, over 100-yard rusher yeah. at running back. Like, that's been the great enigma to try to find a running back to compliment Matthew Stafford. They drafted for it. They brought free agents in for it. And they just can't seem to find that. Like, Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback. Guess what? He's also got Aaron Jones. All right? He's also got Jamal Williams. Like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has got an arm. He's got a great passing ability. But he also has a great run game to back that up. To me, the Lions have never had that run run game to compliment Matt with Stafford, Stafford yeah. with Stafford. So it's always been kind of on Matthew Stafford's arm and be like, all right, well, hey, we're up by 14. We can't slow the clock down, unfortunately, because we still got to pass. Go out there and win it for us. Yeah. And unfortunately, he hasn't been able to do that. That's probably a great illustration, right, of like what we're talking about this week in Jacksonville with Minshew. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have him throw it 49 times, Yeah. right? Well, they'll probably say the same for a long time. I, again, I don't know the stats. We don't cover the lines every day. I don't see Stafford's numbers all the time. My guess is he probably throws between 35 and 45 passes a lot. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Based I on can... what you just said. And so that's uh, too much. Too much for probably most quarterbacks. Uh, you're not going to win every week, or you're not going to give yourself a chance to win every week if you have those kind of numbers. So game one of the first game of the season, 42 attempts, 33 attempts, 31, 31. So actually, oh, a actually lower. yeah. Okay. We can go back to 2019. I can go back to and look that up if you well, want. Well, so to. he's actually been a little bit more balanced there. A little more balanced this year. What have they this scored year? this year? What is their output? Uh, you're asking a lot of me now, man. Uh, 27 points, 40. Uh, I'm sorry. 23 points, 21 points, 26 points, and 29 points. That's it? That is it. Uh, one last one for you. Who have they played? They played Chicago, Green Bay, Arizona, and New Orleans. Chicago, Green Bay, Arizona, and New Orleans. Well, some pretty good defenses in there. Not bad. Um, is he turned it over a lot? Thought you had well, okay. Uh, what? <laughs> I, always, well, I usually I, say one more question and so, then ask another yeah, three. No, you know you're good. So um, interception, interception, no interception. So he's had one interception in three or four games. Okay. Wow, that's doable. I mean, you can win with that. Would you like quarterback rating or not? Nah, I don't care. I'm done. Sure about that? Okay. Now listen. Like, uh, uh, Stuart knows this because he's done many of interview with me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have one more question. It must be the the like the question I ask must be so damn good that it sparks another. One. <laughs> What I would say is, why does the interview subject, you in this situation, yeah. give me the best stuff in the last question, so I have to ask another Ooh. one? <laughs> Just hey, pat yourself on the shoulder a little harder yeah. next time, Brett. Seward Weber, what's up? What's happening? Just uh, back from a couple days off. Yeah, that I was, was nice. Atlanta. Look, Atlanta's look refreshed. Refreshed. Yeah, try to look refreshed. Yeah. You know, uh, good to see the family. Family's uh, good up there. Yeah? Yeah. Good How's quick, the little trip. One? Good. He's, uh, Not yours. Yeah, yeah, baby, no, my, my, nep- my nephew. The nephew oh, gotcha. case. Okay. Um, I, I'm teaching. Not that he knows of. <laughs> try, yeah. I'm trying to teach <laughs> him how to house. catch is what I'm doing. Oh, there you go. His form is all off. So Baseball, I, football, what kind of catch? A little football. Okay. Uh, it's really any ball. Just Oh, I got you. I Just got catch you. the ball. Just catch, you know. Put your two hands together. Yeah, put, you know, but his hands were were all over the place. So I said, put them sideways and yeah. try to bring it into the body. You know, yeah. tried to try to teach him a little thing. And he started to catch the ball. That a baby. Good pretty, job. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Cool. Stewart getting it done. He's a lefty, so I, I told Big I told time. my sister. I said, you put that ball in his left hand. Yeah. Always to Ty, start. Ty is right on behind his back. Now we're yep. talking. And so he uh, he looks like he's developing into a little lefty. You know, there. you know what's funny is like so many people say that, right? And yeah. I'm. I always tell the story when Ty went to play. Kaylee's a natural lefty. She's true lefty, lefty, everything. Mm-hmm. Ty is a right-handed thrower, lefty hitter. Okay, but 
So everybody says that, right? If you like baseball, especially like, hey, lefty, lefty, lefty. Yeah. Well, he was throwing left hand. Like the first practice he ever went to when he was like five years old, we didn't know what hand he was. Okay. I gave, I went, sent him with two gloves. Yeah. He could throw the both the same way. And so I was like, he might be a lefty, might be a lefty. But then he started like brushing his teeth right handed. No, though, though, brushing the teeth. Oh, and yeah. so, so if I had only tied his arm behind his back, yeah. right? Well, I, I had a friend who did that actually well, to his daughter. It, you know, and spoiler, she should even play softball in then, so it didn't even matter. Well, but here's <laughs> the interesting thing about Ty. It's like, I'm glad he's not a lefty. Because then he couldn't play, like, second base. He weighs 90 pounds, yeah. and he's 15. Like, he needs to be able to play second base. You're not gonna. He's not a power-hitting outfielder. He's not a first baseman. He's not a first baseman. Mm -hmm. So the only thing he could do is throw, like, 68-mile-an-hour off-speed stuff from the left-hand side. Junk. Which could be good, but yeah. I'd rather him right-handed. <laughs> Straight junk. Who is he, R.A. Dickey? By, Little knuckleball? By the <laughs> way, uh, lefty bowlers have an advantage as well. Do they really? Why? Yeah. So there's more right-handers than left-handers. Oh, so it gets like this. Right-handers wear out the oil, the oil on that right-hand yeah. side of the lane. Ah, good point. Lefties are left with a nice, clean oil pattern to just go right at Dang. it. Dang. Weber, by the way, congratulations on the big kick the other night on Jags Report. That was Live. impressive. Thank you, thank you. 24-yard yeah. uh, field goal. Has, has anybody called? No one has called. I, I went to Atlanta. Any sponsors? I went to Atlanta. Atlanta was a speculative trip to go see if the Falcons needed somebody. You know, that's really yeah. – I didn't go to see my family. I went to go uh, – <laughs> yeah. it's actually funny. On on the way home from Dawsonville, which we swung by Dawsonville, home of Chase Elliott yesterday. Which to is go awesome. See the siren. <laughs> Dawsonville. Um, Dawsonville. Awesome. I like that. Dawsonville, baby. I like it. I like it. Um, on the way home, we actually drove by Flowery Branch, and my stepdad was saying, you know, it's funny. We always drive by, and I never see them – we look left, and they're on the practice field. Uh, the Falcons are. Oh, cool. Uh, which, sure enough, they're not on the practice field Good today. Good thing you didn't stop yeah, there. Yeah, we didn't oh, stop. Because no, we just yeah, down their facility. They want to cover them. We just yeah. kept on going. But it, it was kind of cool because you can, you can look left when you're on the road, and you just see the wide-open practice field. There's no, like, Interesting. no blocking it. You know, yeah. you could see. If you wanted to, you could just stand there and watch well, I mean, watch the whole practice. They haven't won a game yet. So as far as, like, yeah. recording the practices, like, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to do? Like, you don't you need an advantage right now against Atlanta Falcons. No. They're, uh... That's a little north of Atlanta, too, right? Yeah. I've never been up to Flowery Branch. Yeah, it's about 50, 50 minutes, 45 minutes north of the city, which yeah. is actually – my parents live in Buford, which is right next to there. Right next to yep. there. Okay. Uh, and the Braves, uh, woo, baby, Ooh, but you still have a lead. Easy. How nervous are you now? Um – I don't know if I'm full on nervous. I didn't expect to sweep the Dodgers. Well, no, you're in a great spot. Yeah, good spot. And yeah, you were in a good spot. That's two one. Still, still yeah. in a good spot. You'd sign Kershaw? up for two one. Kershaw? I don't know if you'd sign up for eleven runs in the first inning. No, you maybe they got it all out of their system. Maybe they did. Well, that's the thing. You have to think of it this way. If you're looking at the Braves pitchers, you know you got two really good pitchers at the top, mm. obviously with those guys, and they're going to pitch twice in the series. So it's if, all you can ask. It's all you can ask. Yeah. Now you put a lot of pressure on them to have to win to go out and win their starts. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the pressure you want on your, your better pitchers. And then the other games, they're going to fall how they may. I know Snicker already announced today uh, that Freed's going to start game six. Okay, so he's going to give him his rest. It's kind of a TBD on game five. Still to be determined what go they're going to do with it. They steal the race. Yeah. They might go with another bullpen uh, day. It's which, actually the Brewers formula, Brent. Thank you. Oh. Today, today might almost be. It's funny because like yesterday, uh, everyone on Twitter and everyone was just saying, Throw the position players. Don't waste your bullpen yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah. they kind of did with Green had to go in there and pitch the last inning in the third, and he's one of the guys who 
you don't want to waste because you might need them today yeah, yep. when you're starting another rookie pitcher in the playoffs. Yeah. The third different rookie to make his postseason debut as a starting pitcher It's for amazing the how many young guys have on. played in the postseason. It is. You know, again, other teams too, not yeah. just the Braves, but other teams. And well, like that's I've been fascinated with that in the Rays here. I've been watching a lot of the Rays. And they will throw a guy out there. And I, I say on Twitter, like the one guy, Fairbanks, he looked like Adam Gase's brother with his <laughs> eyes. I mean, it was like unbelievable. And then he, he was awful. I was like, get him out of here. This was against the Yankees. Right? I was like, get him out of here. And then he, and that guy, I mean, Cash trusts the guy. He puts him out there. He has a little rough experiences, wiggles out of it. Yeah. And then he's come in ever since, and he's like almost unhittable. Wow. So it's great experience if you let him out there, and then they come back to you. Like, there were three pitchers in that Yankee series. I was like, please do not bring these guys in again. Yeah. And Cash, gosh darn it, he's brought not listening him back to you. in again. Yeah. Wasn't listening he did to a you. good job. It's just wild that, you know, had things maybe gone to plan, Freed and Anderson would have been the four and five starters because mm-hmm. you're talking about Hamels going out with the injury, Soroka yeah. with the Achilles, and Felix Hernandez never came because he opted out for the season. So oh, it's crazy what they you think about had. what they could have had, but then you think about where they are right now with a lineup that can rake from one to nine. You know, guys that can all hit it out of the park. Maybe not Pache, although he did hit his first home run. In that, that was the one bright spot. Is that the the rookie? Yeah, it's a home run. Uh, good moment there. yesterday. Good moment, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, you, you just, Dodgers are so good. They really are. And but yeah. the Braves are really good. Yeah, I mean, the Braves yeah. have built for this thing, even though the pitching, but the pitching everywhere it can be spotty. Uh, and and now Kershaw gets a chance to go with hope, a lot of okay. with a lot of pressure, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not 100, percent but a lot of pressure on him once again because you know the story on Kershaw, uh, who is really one of the all time greats. It's un- yeah. like we don't. We don't say it, and partially we don't say it because of what Playoff he's done in the postseason. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But we are watching like it's like think about Dodgers pitchers, right? And, and guy that two guys come to mind: Sandy Koufax mm. and Don Drysdale. To me, I mean, there's probably a litany of other guys that come to mind for. Can I come out that that was a big pull at the end there? Not sure. Who Drysdale? Don, I don't know. I'm not a big well, Drysdale guy. So, but but those guys, like I think old school, and and I'm like, whoa, those that's like part of the yeah. lore of the Dodgers. Yeah. Well, Kershaw is in that. Like, he is that guy. He's one of those guys. But he hasn't won. Yeah. Hasn't won the big one, and he really hasn't been great. Although he got better. Last year he was better, right? In the it's postseason. It's a shame he's going to get worse tonight. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a weird thing, hope. right? Like, we were just asking, are you afraid of Stafford? Look at all the numbers. Yeah. Kershaw is he should, sure you should be afraid Hall of Stafford. Fame guy. I mean, yet Kershaw. Braves fans, you're kind of like, yeah, see what he's eh, got tonight. Guy doesn't have good yeah. mojo going. I like the karma going against. But, but on paper, you should be scared of Kershaw. There's no, that's no way to live. What's that? You're being scared about opposing. That's no way to live. Oh no, you have confidence. Yeah, you go go in confident, and that's that's another thing that I know you mentioned it earlier in the show. How the, the or another show that the end of that game two might have lifted the spirits of the Dodgers yeah. bench because like the first game and a half. The Braves were loosey goosey as they had been the entire postseason, and the Dodgers looked a little uptight in, in the dugout. And certainly, uh, you know, making that near comeback can certainly lift your spirits a little bit. And you hope it hasn't turned the tide too much and uh, when it comes to the rest of the series. In the Braves, like, oh, those they had the Dodgers. That's the team we kind of that's been so good. You know, yeah. it can put a little doubt in you. Here's the other thing: I didn't say this at the top of the show, but the reason why I thought that yesterday mm-hmm. is because of the way the format is. This is a beautiful format for hitters. Well, it can be. Mm-hmm. If you're going well, you don't take a day off. Yeah. Like those Dodger no. hitters can't – they are running to the ballpark today to go hit. Mm-hmm. They can't wait to get in the box. No, and rain, that was no the case, rain outs with a roof either. That was the case in the ninth inning. Yeah. They couldn't wait to come back the next day and hit. Well, Brandon Lau 
wants to go to the beach for two weeks because he hasn't had a hit for Tampa, <laughs> and he can't hit a wiffle ball right now. Yeah. So, like, it works both ways. But because they're not taking days off, you don't have all this downtime. Yeah. Like, this, this, you get out of sync or get back in sync. It's all games are right after each other, which I love it. Like, I love that format. But it's an interesting way, first of all, to pitch your rotation and what you do with it. And also, it's from a hitting standpoint, if you're hot, you can stay hot for a week now in hitting. It's hard to stay hot for a month in hitting, yeah. but you can stay hot for a week. Same thing goes vice versa. If you're not doing well, you can stay in a slump for a week. Yeah, which the Braves weren't hot in those first two series. They were completely carried by pitching. Brett, uh, you know, they had the, the timely hits, though. You, you mentioned Dodgers pitchers. One, and it's crazy that one name comes to me like right away, and I don't know if he's really a household name or not. I want to see if you can guess him. I know Hideo he, Nomo? Nope. He won a Cy Young probably 20-something years ago. I was in middle school. He won a Cy Young. Dodgers pitcher. One of the greatest Oral ever doing. No. And I know he won a Cy Young, too. And that's going to kind of throw you off a little bit. Um, that's a huge hit. And he's, he's kind of like this obscure guy. You want another hint? Wore glasses. Eric Gagne. Gagne won the Cy Young. As a closer, As man. As a closer, yeah. sure did. Because he break the record? Pitching. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking well, starting pitching. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That will throw me off. You're yeah. right. He yeah. was unbelievable for a while. Then he couldn't so get good. anybody out. Yeah. He went to Boston, right? Or not? Uh, he might have pitched in Boston late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have pitched in Boston late. Uh, when he couldn't get anybody out. Yeah. All right, Weber. Yep. Gonna go. You got uh, anything else? No. Yeah. Just good to have you back. Living the life. Good to see you, man. Friday doing, night doing blitz tomorrow. Do. Yeah, can't wait. Bold Baker County, our game of the week. Yeah, baby. That's gonna be a really game good of the game. Week brought to you by Honda the Avenues right here on the Blitz Scoreboard Show tomorrow, nine o'clock. Speaking of, don't forget to vote for our athlete of the week on ESPN six ninety dot com. All right, we'll be back more on ESPN six ninety when we come back. Austin Lane. And Tony Khan clap back. There you go, Kuz. There's a, there's a clap back for you. Clapped. So, it's a, just it's clapped. a gamer thing. Eric Clapton. Okay. Yeah. That, that'd be a good oh, gamer name. Oh, I'm using that tonight. Gamer name. Check your boy, Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Brent Martineau. Yeah. You guys it's just sorry. had a moment. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Fine, so I'm not really concerned that much about my health, um, but you never know. No, I just want to make, look, I basically feel like, um, you know, when we're in our own personal bubble here, I think everybody's in a much safer place. I think as soon as you travel, you get exposed to a lot more things and a lot more people, if that makes any sense. Even though I've worn a mask on the sidelines, I wear a mask all the time, uh, in the hotel, um, on the bus, uh, in the plane. So, um I can't, nobody really knows, you know, how this occurs. That is Nick Saban. Of course, the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Has COVID-19. Does it, it's interesting when certain people get it. Yeah. Right? Right. It kind of like gives you a bit of pause. Like it's it was a polarizing it was, figure. It, it was a uh, well. I think it's you know Saban's kind of like this, especially in Tuscaloosa, right? I mean, he's like shoot, godlike figure there. Yep. I wouldn't say the rest of college football views him that way, but he's like this <laughs> giant in the game, right? Superman. And, yeah. and so when he gets it, like it, recently Bobby Bowden got it. I think that raised a, a lot of. Uh, especially at his age, ninety years old, uh, that it raised. Wow, you know, kind of like you. It, 
it's just interesting how that happens, right? We did it around here locally early on when Tony Baselli got it. Uh, I think it happened with like Tom Hanks. Like the whole world was like, oh my gosh, Tom yeah. Hanks got it, right? He was kind of like the first guy to really. He was. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So uh, even like in the golf world, like golfers have got it, but then Dustin Johnson, the number one player in the world, had it, had mm-hmm. to withdraw this week. So it's just, it's interesting how it does that. I don't, I don't know if it changes anything. Yeah. Just like it, it, it feels like, and maybe this is made up, uh, it just feels more real. Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. right? It, it just depends. Like, have you been impacted by COVID-19? I'm sure if I asked 10 people at the grocery store, people would have varying responses. Mm-hmm. Jobs, health, family members, people they know. We all, by like, for the first few months, were like, it's crazy. The only person I know is Tony Baselli. Yeah. Like, it was the wildest thing. It was like everybody seemingly has all these test results. The numbers are going crazy. And every I don't know anybody. That has it. I know people in Ohio and Rhode Island and here in Florida, and I don't know anybody other than Tony Baselli. So it's kind of like – I'm not saying conspiracy theory. It wasn't like this fictitious thing. You're saying that you need some more friends, man. I need more friends. Yeah. Secret of life is not to have many friends. (laughs) Uh, But – now, obviously, we all know people that have been impacted. I mean, heck, there's high, Fletcher High School is shut down for the next few days, right? Yeah. Uh, whether people have had it, had it significantly, quarantined, tested positive, all these things, mm-hmm. from kids to adults. I don't. I mean, you know, everybody knows somebody yeah. that's been impacted. Uh, but it's just something still about these kind of people mm-hmm. in our world. You know, most recently, obviously, President Trump had it, so that was a story for days but in our sports world when you have these certain folks that that get it yeah and it's interesting this week because alabama's got a massive game massive game and scott strickland i thought had such a great tone yesterday about the florida stuff right florida can't play lsu florida if you go back to saturday before the game florida's the top four team in the country their offense looks unbelievable. Their defense is like, it can't be this bad, right? Well, it turns out their defense is that bad right now through three games. They lose the football game. And so this unstoppable force of Florida and this like, oh, wow, we might win a national championship. All this stuff is kind of like put on pause a little bit. Well, then, like, they get the COVID-19 results. They have to cancel the game. And Strickland, his tone was more like, hey, aren't we, like, fortunate to even be giving these kids a chance to compete right now? Like, yeah, we know we're going to go through some of this stuff, but – like, I get it in the outside world. We want to win national titles and we want to be nine, 10 and 0 and all this stuff. But he put it in perspective to the point of, hey, we're just trying to get to the field, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so I think it depends how you view it. If they were 3 and 0, I think Florida fans would have been like, oh my gosh, this might derail the season. We were going to be undefeated. Yeah, we'd yeah, be yeah. national championship. <laughs> But now it's like it's not that high hysteria so much because it's like, well, our defense gives up 45 points yeah, a game. I know. <laughs> they could probably use a little break. No, yeah. I get you. It's just See, an odd thing, isn't no, it? No, for sure. And, and to get back to kind of your point that you're making, like, I agree with you. Like, Saban hits home a little differently. To me, like, at least the sports that we cover right now, the two big ones that really stick out to me in terms of, like, dang, like, well, okay, maybe we got to take a step back and – 
reevaluate the, the landscape a little bit. And that's wrong to say just because a, a more popular guy gets it doesn't mean you got to change up your whole scheme, but that's kind of the way it is. And I think when Cam Newton got COVID-19, yeah, good, good call. that was like, you know, that's like, well, should we cancel the season? Now, like that, that was a big deal, obviously, quarterback position, very popular figure in New England. And then now Nick Saban, um, kind of on those same lines where probably the biggest, you know, college football head coach, one of the greatest coaches um, ever comes down with it. So obviously that warrants about talking with it as well. Well, what does it mean, though? This is a huge football game. Again, like yes. these are two programs that haven't given up. Well, Alabama's given up a lot of points, but they're they're undefeated still. They still have these hopes of winning, right? Yeah. Big, and they, they're good. They have been good. I mean, both these programs in the SEC have been fantastic. What does it mean? I mean, does does it mean much for Alabama not to have Saban on the sideline? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just it's, it's this gotta, distraction. Yeah, it's got to mean something, Brent. Right? Because. You know, yes, you have your defensive coordinators who probably need to do a little better job. You have your offensive coordinators, and, and you got all these guys. But, like, the head coach's job is to make sure guys are ready to go. He's the guy giving the pregame speeches. He's the guy in the hotel room the night before making sure everyone's mind is right, going over the game plan, all that kind of stuff. So if you're asking me, is Nick Saban being out of this game or at least being, you know, in some sort of, you know, Zoom kind of scenario here, um, is it a big deal? Absolutely, it's a big deal, especially with a big game at hand. I mean, I don't want to say it's a distraction because at the end of the day, you got to go out there and do your job, but it's not going to make things easier for the Crimson Tide. Well, isn't it kind of uh, – it's like I feel like Alabama is the one program in the country that can get it. This is the respect you have for the program, by the way, and I try not to fall in these traps, but I think it feels like they have the mental fortitude, the mental toughness. The uh, we'll win one for Nick, you sure. know, kind of thing like that's our guy. You know, it, it just feels like if if this happens to some other program, it's like, whoa, oh, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? I know they got other coaches, but not without this guy giving the pregame speech and they're going to be all out of sorts. I, I don't know if they're even going to skip a beat without Nick Saban on that sideline in a normal time. Of year, I would say absolutely, but but this year is just different. Like, listen, if you were to ask me, um, you know, uh, of any team in college football, what would be the one college football team that probably didn't follow all the rules, still had a hard training camp, still like, you know, still like went above and beyond and make sure that they're physically ready and ready to roll? I would say, oh, hands down, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Like, that's that's Saban's mo, right? Like, you have to get ready for camp. You run a tough camp, physical, hard nosed, all that stuff, and. When Alabama played Ole Miss, that was the, the, that was the selling point for me, that this isn't your usual Alabama team, right? Because I get it. Alabama switched more to uh, an offensive first kind of team. They pass the rock a lot more. They're not running the ball as much as they used to. I get that. But at the same time, you got a guy in Lane Kiffin who has history in Alabama, and like he's, Lane Kiffin's even said on college game day, it was like a bad marriage of Nick Saban. So like that adds a little more of an emotional element. And you know, Saban still carries some of that emotional element to try to, it's more of a, you know, more, more motivation to beat his players. So if you would have told me, Austin, I think this game's going to go down between Alabama and Ole Miss, I'm going to think, well, Bama's going to put up some points, but I think eventually Saban's thumbprint's going to be all of that defense. He's not going to let Lane Kiffin score, and it's going to be a blowout. I did not foresee both teams having like a combined point total angle of over 100 points. Like, that's insane. Alabama football stranding over 50 points or whatever that was. Are you kidding me? So 
to be fair, if it was uh, any other type of year, Brett, I would agree with you. But this year, it's just different, man. I think Nick Saban being off those sidelines could make a big difference. Well, and by the way, there's no guarantee that he's going to be off unless True. there's something that just came down. But, I mean, the way the timeline works here, uh, he would have to receive negative tests Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and be cleared right after that last test to be able to coach in the Georgia game, which is like an 8 o'clock game, yeah. uh, by the way, on CBS 47. Special SEC tonight start time at 6 o'clock uh, this Saturday, not Saturday, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, so we'll preview that game, and we'll know more about it at that point. But he still could coach. Yeah. <laughs> this is so Nick Saban, though, right? This is the greatest. He said, I had the manager have a phone, he said on a Zoom call with reporters. <laughs> Quote, if I wanted a play repeated, I said, repeat the play. So-and-so messed up. I didn't leave the country or anything. I'm just right down the street. And we have this technology, so it's unique. Yeah. He's running practice from a Zoom call on a phone. To be honest, do you think that if he sits out this game and has to, you know, Zoom uh, his team, do you think he gives a pregame speech via Zoom still? Great call. Don't, don't you kind of miss something? You miss. You, you can't do that. I don't that. think so. You can't do that. I've got a feeling by it. if he's missing another practice or it goes into next week, they're going to put a big projection screen out there on <laughs> the Zoom call. They're going to have a Nick Saban hologram. <laughs> no, forget that. Brent, it's Alabama. They got money for days. It'll be a Nick Saban hologram. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. Hey, the wall that says it all. We're going to break down a play. And to be honest with you, I'm confused whether it was a good play yeah. or not a good play you by Gardner Minshew. Good play, but also... Eh, not a good Don't play. Don't sit on that damn fence. Oh, I'm, I'm on, on the fence the all day with this all, one. Baby. I have my saddle and everything, man. I'm saddling up for this one. What do you think? Find out next on ESPN 690. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.